This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tacova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit Tacovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovis.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. The 1911 is one of the most iconic firearms in history. Designed by John Browning, the 1911 was the standard-issue sidearm of the U.S. military from 1911 to 1985. While Colt produced the original, almost every major firearm company has produced its own version. It's wildly revered for its reliability crisp trigger, and is still a favorite for all types of shooters. Whether you're looking to buy or build a 1911 and just about everything for guns, log on to MidwayUSA.com. Knives, machetes, saws, and shears, multi-tools, shovels, swords, axes, spears, hatchets, and tomahawks. If it cuts, snips, slices, or chops, MidwayUSA has it. Find great gift ideas in our huge selection of pocket knives and other everyday carry folding knives. Make a statement or create a family legacy with one of our top-of-the-line hunting knives. We've got a great selection of manual and electric sharpeners, too. For just about everything for the outdoors, check out MidwayUSA.com. Welcome to the fire. Welcome to the fire, boys. My name is Parker McDonald. And I'm Walter Lee, and we'll be your hosts on this episode of the Southern Collective Hunting Podcast. If you're a new hunter trying to learn the basics, or you're a veteran woodsman just trying to get through your workday, there's always a place at our campfire for you. Speaking of the fire, we would love it if you guys would join our growing Patreon community and be a part of the best and only digital deer camp south of Mason Dixon Line. Come on. If you'd like and learn more, click on the link in the show notes. But for now, Walt, welcome, welcome to, to the fire. fire. All right, everybody. Welcome to episode two of the Southern Collective Hunting Podcast. Man. I was really nervous about saying that. I felt like I was going to say Southern Ground so so hard. Like <laughs> I, I knew I was going to say it, and here we are. I'm saying it again. Don't. This is not the Southern Ground Hunting Podcast, and this is not the Chasing Tales Podcast. This is the Southern Collective Hunting Podcast, Episode Two. We've got a roundtable discussion. I'm just going to go around the table and name who's all here, and then uh, I say let's let's freaking get into the meat and potatoes boys does that sound good let's do it awesome we've got walter lee here live from tallahassee um yes sir we've got brett mashburn live from somewhere in south alabama columbiana 
<laughs> he actually it's, it's brett smashburn if you could get it right that would be smashburn brett's yeah. brett's brett's oh, man. <laughs> <laughs> man. <laughs> we got matt reeves here uh from from old central alabama and our special guest of honor in this roundtable discussion uh we got mr split shot y'all probably heard us talk about split shot before he is a uh, Patreon member, long time Patreon member. How how long you been on on the Patreon? Split shot. I want to say over two years, just yeah. a little bit over two years now. Yep. So long time member. We've talked about this when we've talked about Patreon, about guys that are a part of this that are, um, you know, obviously not there because they're going to. They're they're not there because they're a new hunter. Um, split shot is consistently. Uh, just letting go of information to a lot of the new guys that are on there. People asking a lot of questions. So, man, we're happy to have you here with us. July 8th, 2021, by the way. 2021. Mm -hmm. Went back and looked. So our special guest of honor, Mr. Splitshot. Glad you're here, buddy. (laughs) Thanks for having me. All right, Walt, man. So tell us, I'm I'm going to toss it off to you. Yeah. um, Because you are the one who kind of come up with this this topic for tonight's discussion. Um, I'm excited about it. These are some of my favorite topics. So let us know what we're talking about tonight. Yeah. So tonight's roundtable discussion. So one of the things we told you guys is we're going to start having these dialogues where we just take a topic and we just ramble amongst ourselves, giving you our opinions. And the idea is kind of crowdsourcing the answer to something that's talked about. Uh, And one of the things that's being talked about in the Patreon group is the idea of early season. So we're thinking like that early bow season window are morning or evening hunts better for you. And so I'm going to challenge you guys not to just say morning and, and in the conversation when you go, uh, pick one of those or both, uh, but give a reason why. I like mornings because of fill in the blank. And let's try and get people thinking because there's a lot of people like Todd. Shout out to Todd. We haven't given him a shout out yet on the podcast. Uh, who's asking questions like this. And I think it's important to know the why. Uh, so I'm going to pick somebody at random to kick us off. And then we're just going to kind of bounce off of there. Unless you guys are against that idea. Now that I've said I, it out loud. I am not. All do right. we have any housekeeping that we got to do before we get started on this? Yeah, we probably should. You said you wanted to jump in, so I was going to find a natural segue down the way, but <laughs> <laughs> I, I got ahead of myself, man. Like yeah. I'm excited about this topic. Uh, we actually had a another thing lined up. Um, yep. So next week it will happen. We had some just like pretty big emergencies and reasons why we couldn't have the conversation that we were originally planning to. And also next week, we're announcing a pretty sweet giveaway. Um, did we already announce that? I think we only nope. announced it to Patreon members. I think we said it on the podcast last week. Did actually. we? I think we okay. did. Well, yeah, I don't remember. In the event we didn't, we'll, we'll make it really awkward for everyone listening right now. We <laughs> we, we really have our crap together on this podcast. But uh, let's, let's talk about a little, patri- a little bit of uh, housekeeping. Like you said, uh, we got to start with the Patreon uh, group. Uh, this is the group that makes this thing happen. That you guys allow us to go out of state, have ourselves a good time, make some good content, bring that home to you guys, host hunts. Uh, that's the backbone of what that does. And you guys know the spiel by this point. Uh, it is a community. One of the benefits you get is you get added to the Patreon community, which is either a Discord group or a Polo group. And part of the benefits, one of the things we say thanks for 
is, or one of the ways we say things, I should say, is we give you a shout out on the podcast. And so uh, we've grown by 18 in the last month. So I'm not going to bore you with <clears throat> like 18 names, but I'm going to do four of them real quick. And so I want to say thanks to Matt Baggett, Brian Bell, Connor Chandler, and Ben Graham. We're going to keep keep turning away at this until we get uh, all caught up. Um, but I just want to say thanks to everybody. And I also want to give you an update. I posted to Patreon and said that we had merch coming. Uh, we are like right on the cusp of having an ETA for when that's going to get here. Uh, and the hats, I'm going to tell you right now, I felt like Chase and Tails had some really cool hats we gave away. The hat that Parker and I have been working on, mainly Parker, and I've just been sourcing. This thing's a banger. There's no one giving out free hats uh, like we are. So if you want in for on a, that. For a free hat, it's pretty sweet. Yeah. Yeah. Now we're going to have some expensive ones, too, at some mm-hmm. point that are going to be expensive. And they're going to be sweet, and they're going to be everybody's going to love them. Morgan Wallen's going to wear them. Going to wear them. You know, it's going to be awesome. <laughs> uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but so, you, I mean, you said we're on the cusp of having merch. We actually do have live merch that is live on our shop right now oh, at yeah. uh, at um, socohunt dot com uh, forward slash store, and uh, I think we got a new hoodie up there. We got the Deer Camp on My Mind shirt. Um, which is really, I made that for me, honestly, it's like a metal scene kid shirt that also likes to deer hunt. That's kind of who I made it for. <laughs> um, and then we got the pre-order on the firebuck shirts that are going to be pretty sweet too. the front pocket tees. So those are you, coming soon. So I, we actually do a, have stuff that people can order right now. Did you mention the hoodie? I did, but okay, you can mention it again. Cause it's sweet. There's a sweet hoodie on the website yeah. and I cannot wait for mine to get here. I, I I'm not going to wear it until January, but I, I've got one coming. So it's going to be awesome. I'll turn the AC down to like 60 and put it on and walk around the house. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, I think we can take a, br- a break from the housekeeping, move into yeah, the man. into the podcast and get going. So uh, I put the, everybody's name into a, a random generator and Brett, you're going to go first. So uh, to kick us off, the South Alabama legend himself, Brett Smashburn, morning or evening during early archery season, what's your preference and why? Honestly, that's I'm torn on that because I love mornings, period, like all season. Um, I would say the success I've, I have had in early season killing bucks has come from stuff that happened in the morning, but I killed them in the afternoon. So I'm, that's another reason I'm torn. Like I've seen bucks going into bedding areas in that morning coming back. And I figured out from knowing the area well enough kind of how he was going to exit that area and set up for that that afternoon and was able to capitalize. I think afternoon's probably better for killing, but it's hard. I love mornings. Brett, you hunt – you hunt uh south alabama right there's a very um a very specific thing that people know about south alabama and that is that it's a freaking ton of pines there's a lot of pines yeah. in south alabama you got some swampy stuff and some hard one hard woods but there's a lot of pines um and outside of acorns i wouldn't imagine like the, the where you are at i know there's not a lot of agriculture um yeah it's, so for it's even setups company. Evening setup. So for me, like when I'm thinking about that setup, I, I feel like mornings is 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 the kill. 
right? Like that's where I would want to go in to kill um, rather than evenings because there's not a super consistent early season food source, right? Well, I mean, a lot of what I'm hunting is all timberland. So it's SMZs, cutovers, and it's going to be just seas of planted pines. So typically my food source is going to be either the where I find the bucks in the summer is the cutovers eating all the new growth. And then as soon as that hard mass starts dropping your acorns, typically for me is not until the beginning of October. Yep. So I don't really have those weeks beforehand. You know, I got like what, two weeks before season comes in when acorns are starting to drop, which is mainly water oaks and laurel oaks. And the laurel oaks, they don't seem to, they, they will let them lay for two or three months typically before they hit them, unless that's the only tree dropping. Is the laurel oak, is that, is that the big, the big giant ones? Uh, no, they're Indian real. They're, the acorns are really small, like okay. real small, but the leaves are, look more like your, the old school mossy oak with the green leaf. It's kind of three inches long or so and slender. To where your water oak Great looks example. more like yeah, it looks more visual. like a more like a what would you call it like a club on the end of it or yeah, spatulated like a boat tail like as it goes to the end it gets bigger like a shovel basically. So it, so is it a is it a white oak or red oak? Red. It's gonna be a red oak. Yeah. Okay, so it's a red. Yeah, that makes y'all are getting me excited. Y'all are in my my hey, field come on. Right now. Look at yeah. here, Brett, <laughs> Brett and I have, have toted these two books around all over, all over the Southwest. Matt, you got these books over there with you? Yeah, yes, I he do. does. Look at them. Look at them. But hey, so typically, ahead, Matt, I'm looking Brett. for I'm looking for a water oak. But yeah, like I've killed tons of those in the mornings. But typically, my books, for whatever reason, is coming the afternoon, early season. And a lot of times, it's because I've seen them doing something that morning, slipping back into bed and just doing that or observation sit in the morning. And okay, what's your, what's, your, what's your definition of early season, Brett? Like, like from what time to what time? Um, so for me, it would be the opener of both season, which is October 15th most of the time. Up until, I would say, the beginning of maybe the first week of November. So Mm -hmm. probably three to four weeks, maybe, is all I'm considering early season. Like the first three to four weeks of bow season. And after that, all the acorns are starting to fall and it gets to seem to be a little bit easier because once the pressure starts hitting, I already know where the deer are going. Early season, they're little more pushed out and hanging a little more closer to the food sources that's it's important the reason i the reason i asked that is because i mean matt when once it's matt's turn matt's gonna be talking about hunting early season in kentucky (laughs) in september you know what i mean and and so you're you're the definitions of early season uh are are gonna be pretty scattered you know what i mean like for me i'm gonna be hunting that first week of september but i know exactly what you're talking about where in here in Alabama, I mean, pretty much the rut's not till January, December, most places. Yeah. So, I mean, you're talking about months of early season time that, that you get. Um, but the, the thing that's different, the thing that makes the South different to me for early, an early season conversation 
is that um, our our early season is not all about always all about acorns, right? Like part of the early season is, but also November is still early season activity, right? Like I, it, it's hard to it's hard to compare it to other state. What our deer do in November, there's a few places that have November rut, but by and large, what our deer do in November is pretty specific. Like that's a, that's a month of, of time that's different from the rest of the country that I don't know that you could compare it with any, the, with the deer behavior in any other part of the country. Does that make sense? What I'm saying? Yes. What do you, what do you, what do you think, Matt? Yeah. I mean, our, our deer are totally, I mean, we, we touched on it to begin with that, that, that we don't have ag. Uh, we don't deal with that. It's kind of a whole different realm of deer movement in say big woods or, uh, timberland, you know, areas. So you're going to have to hold tighter to those, you know, to those bedding areas and, and, and move from there. That that's how, that's how I see it. Now, Brett, what, what I wanted to ask you and kind of what I've seen in my experience is I do tend to have a lot of more buck encounters, like you said, in the mornings, um, during the early season, uh, I see them. And it, I don't know if that's necessarily because we're getting up closer to their bed or if we're catching them before all the pressure hits them um, because that's what we deal with constantly is pressure, pressure, pressure. As the season goes, they get educated. And a lot of people say, and I mean, me and you talked about it at the expo, your best move is in those first couple of days to get in his bedroom and try to kill him. Um, and so, you know, I'll get on my take on Alabama, you know, or, or anywhere in the South of, of, what's the best route um, of going to kill a buck in the early season? Because there's a lot of different variations you can go about. Yeah. I would say like in the mornings, like you're talking about, typically what I'm, what I'm seeing is you're right. I'm hunting close to bed and I'm trying to like maybe find some more isolated trees. Maybe that's a SMZ or something. And basically what I, what I'm seeing in the mornings is bucks going back into bed like you know an hour or so within shooting light or right after shooting mm-hmm. light and then i'm trying to play off of that like what trail did they go in on what did they go in certain way because the wind is the wind going to shift and try to play that to, um figure out where to hunt that afternoon to catch them coming out of that bed that right. afternoon to then try to kill them and and Brett, we use a lot of cameras. So I mean, we're constantly trying to see where these deer are moving and how their patterns change. So how many times have you had a buck, you know, he he's doing his summer thing and then October hits, he's gone. He's doing something totally different. You have oh, to yeah. pick up and make a whole new game plan to figure it out. But I think it can be easier to stumble upon a buck in that early season area, you know, just hunting, you know, whether it be historical sign, because you're not gonna find a lot of a lot of fresh, you know, rubs and scrapes. I mean, they're they're still hitting their mock scrapes, kind of like how I run my cameras. But you got to be willing to move a little bit and, and continue to walk on your feet until you till you feel that spot where they're moving. I would say, like, typically my camera setups aren't really set up for early season. I think that's a lot of reason why I struggle early season. But my cameras are already set where I know the deer are going to be when pressure gets put on. So I don't go in those areas once deer season starts unless I'm hunting. 
So my cameras are in there waiting for that shit. So I know when it happens. And once that starts happening, I'll start hunting the deer a little different. Yeah. Yeah, that shift. That shift? Is that what you said? Am I? <laughs> okay. So I also I also want to say too, you know, Matt, uh a lot of the early season that you did last year and the pictures and the bucks that you've got on a lot of your private land is gonna be largely dependent on the that golden acorns that are sitting there. Right. Yeah. Like you're not trying to hide that from anybody. Um I think that does make a big difference, especially when you're talking about uh like that first week of the season you know what i mean like that that first week of season acorns maybe not dropping quite they they haven't shifted to that yet and they're coming i mean i know a lot of people who are hunting private land that are killing bucks on that yeah, first week of season because they're coming yellow the acorns out. Yeah, exactly yellow acorns. i think i think there's <laughs> like like when you're talking about when you're talking about uh early season and late season hunting i think a lot of people hunt deer in the rut and they're hunting over the corn piles and wonder why they're not killing deer and yeah. they're not hunting when it's hot and or or when there's a lack of food they they give up by the late season whenever they need those corn piles when they could really be killing some bucks um and then early season oh it's just too hot you know but the guys who are out there doing it are finding loads of success on corn in that first week in the north, south, east, and west, like that—that's—that's that's not even like like deer are going to come to that, especially if they're not getting pressured, and they're going to come to it in the daylight. Like that is going to be something that you probably see no matter what part of the country that you're in. Um, if they're not being pressured and you've got corn out, like that's a good time to go kill them. I'm curious, so, split shot. You're the only person we haven't heard from so far in this opening salvo. Do you have anything to add right now? I would say the. What they're talking about, really, you have to find the food source, whatever they're using at that time. Uh, down here, if you're you're looking early season, I've found it to where exactly what Brett was talking about. It could be the laurel oaks. It could be their, your, your water oaks that are hot at the time. And it varies through the season. I have found some, this has been rare, but where live oak trees, like you'll have one random live oak tree that'll be dropping and the deer will just come over there and they'll check it out and eat a little bit of that. And then they'll move off to whatever their main food source is. Uh, the one particular situation I was thinking of was they were coming out of a bedding area um, of cabbage palms or just real thick cabbage palms. And they were walking through these open ponds and there's a live oak that was out here is isolated and they would hit that live oak tree and I'd set a ground blind up on it. And I would see a lot of deer um, morning and evening, but they were heading over into a cutover. They like go feed and then they would make their way back in the morning times. So, I mean, you really could have sat there right there before dark or you could have sat there in the morning. Uh, it was just finding that, that bed to food kind of pattern and then being able to take advantage of another food source on the, you know, if you're hunting public in Florida, that a lot of people overlook is um, palmetto berries and they're not in all the time, but it's something to just keep in mind. It might be the food source that they're looking for muscadine vine. You just want to find that hot food source at the time and then be able to get in between it and the bedding area. And sometimes it's really close to the bedding. Usually these deer aren't wanting to move a whole lot during that time, especially your bucks. So that's kind of what I would add to it. It's not much different here. 
um, our our rut is a little closer because your our seasons for me is coming in around sep- mid September, and then our uh, pre you know our, our yeah pre rut is coming in you know anywhere from mid October to late October like that's going to be like your best rut activity so it's going to be different than what it is in Alabama for sure yeah split you made a good point you made a good point on the uh oh you get on the cutovers um I was on a job the other day and ended up finding some books and a cutover bed it went down whatnot but that new early fresh growth is one of the biggest food sources that you can find um and you you were talking about an example where you had them moving through there to an isolated tree. That's 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 key, and that can be very hard to find. And that's you know that's where you're walking and scouting in season. You know, in the early season is great. I had a spot that had two different timber cuts, two different age classes, um, and there was a, a creek that ran through the middle. And those those deer were moving constantly from one to the other. One was a little thicker. That's where they bedded. One was a lot more fresh growth. It was probably, it was a select cut pine stand and it just had probably that summer's worth of growth. So there's so much, you know, honeysuckle, all kinds of little forbs growing out there and they're moving back and forth. Now there was a strip of white oaks in between both of those. So they were checking those white oaks as they were going to that other food source to figure out which one they wanted to go. So they had, they had their initial route from their bedding to multiple food sources. It just depended on when they put it on the buffet and when they could start eating it. So these deer constantly, they know when these acorns are supposed to be dropping or when these, um, uh, yopons, you know, they can eat, eat privet, all that stuff. They know when all those come into season. You've just got to find those trails that hit. If you can find the trail that hits all of them, just like I was telling you with the different timber cuts and the diversity, I think that's, that's king for early season. Dude, that everything that you're talking about like like you're basically saying these deer have set their whole lives up to 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 move the least as po- the least possible and be able to know when each thing like they're crossing the path that's yeah. why we consistently see these these heavier trails and you're like uh like i in for example in Kentucky there's a spot that i can think of right now that you're not going to see a deer more than likely in there until the acorns start dropping. You're mm-hmm. probably just not going to see a deer, but that trail stays pretty wore out because they're making, they're still, they still a part of their, like if you were to hang a trail cam up there, you would have a ton of pictures of deer moving through there at night um, because they're still crossing over it. I just think that that's, that's a pretty interesting, um, like when you're talking about putting trail cameras up and getting stuck on, nighttime pictures of deer like why 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 am i only getting nighttime pictures of deer it's because that spot uh, probably more than likely is only beneficial for one part of the season right and we're just trying to figure out which part of the season it is like is it late season early season they're going to be coming through there the whole time but when the day when it becomes their priority to get there is kind of when we're trying to look for So one of the things that I've I've noticed, and I'm curious if you guys have noticed this as well, um, in the years that I've ran trail cameras on hot feed trees early season, I have got deer hitting that tree all hours of the day, night, 
the whole deal. How often have you guys seen deer bed? I'm talking like underneath a hot persimmon tree. Cause I've got a lot of trail camera footage. Uh, I was going back after talking to, to Brett the other day about this. Um, I've got a bunch of trail camera footage early season on food sources where that deer will be laying underneath that tree or within 20, 30 yards. Is that something you guys have, have encountered? I, I've, I've watched a Dave Owens video where um, he killed a buck on a persimmon tree. And I think maybe in the video, that persimmon tree, had, it seems like it had just started dropping. Mm-hmm. Um, but it tells you that that buck was bedded close. I mean, he hadn't been bedded close by because he shot him in the morning, early season in Kentucky under that persimmon tree. I, I do believe I, in my limited trail camera experience last year, I hung one up on a persimmon tree and that right now, like in August is when it was running uh, August and September. And there was bucks that were using that spot in daylight consistently checking to see if it was, which tells me that they were bedded pretty dang close. Right. How do you approach that? So if, if you, if you run trail cameras this year, how are, how would you approach your cell camera starts popping off with daylight photos? You think he's close by you hunting that morning or afternoon? Uh, morning. I'm, I'm, I'm going to choose morning every time. Yeah. Probably unless I'm in like Midwest, if I'm in Kentucky or somewhere like that, where there's crops, then I might prefer evening. But even in those places, I, I still notice that my buck encounters, like mature buck encounters, always happen in the morning. Um, a few of them in the evenings, you know, if you're hunting close to a bean field or something that's still green, you know, maybe a lot of people do. But I, I just I know that I set up myself like the spots that I gravitate towards are morning spots. Me and Brett, I think we're talking about that the other day. Like I just gravitate towards them. So that's probably why I consistently have success or, or not consistent success, but more success in the right. mornings than I do in the evenings. Split shot what you got. A lot of what I find is it, it has to do with the area. Some areas are are good for like morning, um, close to where that cabbage palm like bedding area was at. I would find that deer they would come out more in the morning then, but they wouldn't move by me in the evening. And there's like some live oak trees that they were dropping real close one year, and I was just sitting right on the bedding area. And I would have them come in, and Brett and I talked about this earlier, but uh, they would come in and feed like in the middle of the day, and then they'd go right back in and go lay down. And then I've seen it to where last year when we were hunting on the Patreon hunt, the deer, they were definitely traveling to one area. I knew where the food source was, but they were bedded sporadically. So it was just a matter of them coming to that area and being able, you know, at that point, it was more of an advantage to hunt in the evening. I think you have to identify what the food source is and how the deer are bedding and using that area. Like you might have a major food source, like a, say, like they're coming into a food plot to food, like to feed in the evening, and you know they're going to come in there at night because of the cover and stuff. But you can set up just on the outside of it, and if you know where they're coming from, like consistent bedding like they're going to use this one little bedding area but you can set up between that but if it's sporadic then you need to be able to figure out just hit the right spot sometimes like last year where i was talking about that one was in a particular swamp and it was just an oak hammock in a swamp 
and the deer were coming in sporadically and I knew like I was in the right area, but I didn't know where they're going to come from. So it was just a matter about putting the time in to, to be able to have that encounter with them. So I think you have to identify what the food source is, what the bedding is, and then approach it of, you know, is it sporadic? Do I need to put more time in this area or do I need to sit in one particular place? And, you know, should he be there that first day? It, it's going to, be situational is kind of what I'm saying here. Yeah, the, the deal you're talking about when, when midday, I think you were talking about split shot. When some of those bugs, yeah. that's that's what happened to me last year. I had a bug on camera that I figured out, and he was moving through an area, and he was typically moving around. One thirty, two o'clock. It was pretty much five out of seven days he was coming through there around that time. I went there and set up on opening day at twelve o'clock. I climbed a tree and set out in a cutover, and the sun beat me down all day. Didn't see anything. Well, a couple of weeks goes by. I pulled that SD card out of that camera, and that buck come through there at eleven fifteen, and I was in the tree at twelve. I had just missed him. He'd come through early that day. But it was that midday movement, even early season, even though it's the hottest part of the day. And I see that a lot on my cameras, even when they're in velvet. When it's 100 degrees, I get a lot of them in the middle of the day. Why do you think that is? Like, what? what is it? Do you think it's a moon phase thing? Do you think it's a weather? Uh, y'all I would both say, your head? I, I don't know. I would, well, I mean, I was speaking, but I was going to say, I'm going to pass this off to split shot. <laughs> I was going to pass this off to split shot because I think he, I think he's, uh, he's a uh, homing in on maybe what this reason is. So we'll let him speak to that. We were talking about this in the polo group and it, it was kind of more of a rut situation, but I see majority of my bucks, like, uh, mature bucks. And uh, we're not talking does or like young bucks. Mature bucks, I see most of them in the middle of the day. Like, hands down, like, if I had one particular time to hunt, like, I'm, if you said you got an hour to hunt, like, I'm probably hunting 11 to 12. Um, or, and that, you know, maybe a little bit in front of that, maybe a little bit behind it. But what I think happens is if you notice during the day, like, the thermals are heating up around that 10 o'clock time frame, and you have your, I think the air is cycling. So if you ever notice like during the day, like it'll be a real calm morning. And then during the middle of the day, the wind will pick up. And I think the wind is, it's just cycling. Like the thermals are creating a cycle. So now you have a wind, I guess, uh, like a vacuum that's kind of happening around and it's starting to convey around. And uh, the, maybe the deer have to get up and move bedding areas and they're not really or maybe i shouldn't even say bedding areas they're just moving bedding to be able to find more of an advantage and i think now during the rut like it's going to be a whole different scenario because they're looking more for does but even like during the early season i see these deer getting up at this time because I, I, that's the only thing I could think is like it, it becomes an advantage i'm at a disadvantage now i need to move to a place to go for an advantage to you know because they're dependent on their nose and that's gonna 
it's all shift throughout the day. And as thermals are dropping and stuff, all of that things, all of that's going to change. So that that's why I think they're moving at that time period is just because of that the thermal shifting. Um, and they have to go somewhere else. Now, if you can hit a food source that's off to the side of it, well, it's an advantage for them to get up and go. Go ahead, Parker. I see you waiting. <laughs> I'm, no, I'm, I'm messing with Brett. You're good. Oh, I was going to say, I, I wonder, if, <laughs> I wonder if they're not getting up that time of, of day, a uh, split shot, you know, like you're saying, the winds blowing, the thermals are pulling, so you're getting a lot of turbulence, a lot of um, drafts, different winds happening. I wonder if they get up because they can actually detect predators or they can just smell, but they can smell all around them because the wind's doing a lot of shifting around. And thermals are pulling to certain places so they could go to those places to scent check stuff or is maybe they just feel comfortable because they can smell better that time of day from multiple directions. Okay. I would I would say that. All right. It definitely happens during the rut. Okay. Sure. That's a hundred percent fact. Okay. All right. So I personally believe this is the most bulletproof hunting tactic that exists. I really do. Hunting wind shifts. I, I, I think if you know where a buck is, right? Like if for you cell camera guys that have used them and you know a buck is there, if you will just like sell out to the idea that I'm only going to hunt when the wind shifts to in my favor um, in the during daylight hours. Uh, I've killed one, one really good buck on that, uh, theory, I guess. Um, and then there's a, there's a video that I've got of a buck in Kentucky that I missed. Um, but I missed him at like 10 o'clock. Uh, it was early season and it was because of a wind shift. It was a hundred percent because of the wind shift. Um, I had an idea where I, where I felt like a buck would be bedded at. And I hunted it knowing that that wind was going to shift and I was still going to be good. And he was going to have to move through this area to get to the next closest good betting point. And it just so happened to be a giant deer. And I missed him at 14 yards because I hit a twig. Um, but I, I I do believe, and I've seen it multiple times when people start telling stories about their bucks. And it's like, man, and the wind shifted. And all of a sudden it was, at, and at, you know, it was going straight in front of me. And then this buck comes in like that just seems to be a uh a, a common story right like wind shifted bucks started moving so to your point split shot i believe that that is like no matter what time of the year it is wind shifts are are golly i just can't stress it enough how much i think they work like hunting those wind shifts so i would i would <laughs> messing with with brett he keeps Man. raising his hand it is so hard to talk with you guys like the freaking screen moving all over the place everybody raising their check so, on hand it's so funny that y'all talked about this i don't know if y'all i shouldn't plug another podcast but i'm going to anyways uh latitude has a podcast with jake bush and uh i think it's episode 15 or 16 he has heath cisco on they spend a solid i mean a solid yeah it's episode 15 20 minutes <clears throat> talking about all the big bucks that they've killed on wind shifts. And it's a really good listen. You guys should go pay attention. But I would postulate for you guys to tell me I'm either stupid or maybe there's something to it. 
another reason why those wind shifts are kind of uh, showing up with deer movement, especially early season. You have pockets of cooler air for those deer to hang out in. And by about midday, you start to see those pockets shift a little bit. Do you think there's a chance early season that you're not really seeing them getting up to wind check something or anything like that so much as the areas that were really cool in the morning are no longer quite as cool and they have to move around just to feel comfortable. And that's why you're seeing them early season. That could very much be a part of it. Um, they move in places that you wouldn't think that they would move though. Sometimes I see them like we were talking about cutovers. Like sometimes I just go out no cutover and it's, you know, it's hot as all get, get out out there. And then they'll just go out no cutover right during like, the middle of the day. So. Just like Matt filmed the other day. He just filmed, which did you bump him up? Um, I don't know if I bumped him up. I saw him walk around the whole property line and then come back into the cutover. Yeah. It looked like they were in the video. They looked like they were just out, just, Freaking yeah. doing their thing, just hanging out. Yeah, I was going to say, I don't know. I, that's not what I see on my cameras. Like they're shifting, to maybe because one spot got hot and they're trying to find somewhere cooler. Because when I've seen them is out in the middle of like cutovers and places, it's hotter during the middle of the day. Like it's hotter. I feel like they're just out moving that time of day. Maybe it's because they're conditioned to, uh, not seeing humans as much in the middle of the day. Maybe it's the shifting wind, but Maybe while Parker was speaking, something, yeah, it could be the moon, you never know. So while Parker <laughs> was speaking, something come to mind, you know, I just talked about the book that I knew he was coming through and he come through earlier that day. It hit me when he was saying that. I was hunting a totally different place in bedding area because I had a northeast wind. And somewhere right there around, 11 to 12 o'clock, the wind was shifting from the northeast straight out of the west. And that's why I was able to go hunt that spot. So I got in there fairly soon after the wind shift, but that deer obviously moved right when that wind shift happened, and I missed it. So that was a great point, Parker. Well, I just realized that. Well, you know, I mean, even when you're talking about hunting food sources, uh, you know, I think uh, a wind shift around uh you know let's see if it gets dark let's say it gets dark at seven o'clock and you, there's a wind shift around six o'clock um and you're hunting a food source i think that's a great time to hunt a food source in the evening um in that case i would say absolutely i'd, I'd rather hunt the evening on that day if that's when the major shift happens because i feel like the bucks that are coming into that food source in the nighttime there's a better chance that they're going to hit it earlier they're just going to go ahead and get up um it's dusky. It's close enough to dark. Um, you know, that was what happened. Uh, it happened for me. Well, that the, the big buck that I killed in Alabama with my bow a few years back. It's the biggest buck I've killed in Alabama. Um, it was the same thing, except it was a morning hunt. And um, I knew that that wind was going to shift and it was going to shift in my favor. So I figured that that buck was going to stay closer to that food source until that wind shifted. Um, and it did, I, I figured he was probably going to be on his way to bed when the wind shifted and in, and it did. And then he came right by me, uh, when it shifted like 10 minutes after it shifted. And I think that had a lot to do with it. Um, split shot. Parker, uh, something else that I noticed too, and this is throughout the season is, is days where you have a big temperature drop. And if this, 
abnormally cool for early season, it seems like I'll see deer moving right there at that daylight kind of period where maybe they're already normally back into their bedding area. But on those cooler days, it's like they're, they feel good. So they just want to hang out a little bit longer and you might catch them slipping back in before, you know, right there before, I don't know, before they would normally show up. Like I see a lot of deer around 830 or whatever, but you might see them right there at daylight or maybe 30 minutes after yep. daylight. It seems like that's pretty standard of happening too on the cooler days, but it's got to be a pretty big shift on the temperature or like abnormally cool for that period. Well, you talk about fronts, right? I mean, uh, a lot of times with the front comes a wind, a wind change and we love hunting fronts. Mm-hmm. And, and I think, I, I wonder if it doesn't have more to do, obviously a wind sh- uh, or a, a cold front. We want those, right? Like, like w- we hunt those. Um, there's different theories on whether they're, they're great or not, but for the most part we hunt those, but a, a wind shift that happens with the cold front during hunting hours is always going to be better than, than an average day. I think, I mean, I see that all the time because you're getting, you're getting the benefit of the, of the, the wind shift where they're up and moving around and kind of trying to figure out, get their bearings on where they're going to hang out for the rest of the day. And you're getting the cold front. Um, or just the front in general that's getting them on their feet, right? Like that's that's also been proven. Um, and so I think you're with what you're talking about. You're just kind of that's like the best day to freaking hunt in the early season, you know? Yeah, that first cold front in early season is the bomb. You get that first cold front during deer season, best be in the woods, especially if you got a hot feet. Come on. I, I got my best photos when I overlay temperature early season if i can get up here that little like high 50s dip which doesn't sound like a whole lot but it's monstrous here and and sometimes it happens late october um on hot feed trees my cameras explode in daylight i mean they just they just explode and i'll I'll actually get no nighttime photos those days as well um but real quick we're gonna pause right here and we're gonna do a little more housekeeping and i just realized parker i've got a giveaway to announce today did i tell you about this no you didn't. You didn't tell me the boys at Kanadi who sent us arrows. When I originally made my purchase, I ordered zingers from them before they offered to make me uh, a set of the most beautiful arrows. I can't take my hand off while we podcast. So, what we're going to do is we're going to give away to the Patreon members a twelve pack of their standard diameter zinger arrows. All you got to do is be part of the Patreon group. Zinger so, fletchings, not arrows. Do not sorry, advertise sorry. here. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> Zinger fletchings. Jeez, you jumped on there. Parker has been threatened with legal action before. Did you see how fast he jumped on that thing? <laughs> um, so Lord there it is. Z3s, Z3s. Uh, we're going to give away. Tell you what, by next episode, we'll, we'll, we'll do a giveaway. It's just another one little way I can I can say thanks to everybody and um, but we got a little more housekeeping to do. We got to thank the boys over at Tethered. We got a care package on the way, fellas. We had a good time up in Birmingham, and I just want to say thank you to a brand who has had our back since day one. Parker, you and I literally got in at the ground level way back in the day, um, and they have done everything they can and gone above and beyond to support the the launch of both of our platforms and the launch of this new one. And so if you're looking for some of the best lightweight system saddle gear, you got to go check out Tethered. It's just, you, you don't get better people than that. And 
or better well, gear. So you said it when you said better people, man. I mean, there's a lot of good gear out there and uh and there's a lot of good people out there, man. I've yeah. met a lot of great people in the saddle hunting world from all the different companies. You know, you're talking about latitude, great guys, you know. Uh uh all the all the other companies have great people, but what I know about Tethered is um, their number one priority is to give back to the saddle hunting community. Mm-hmm. Um, and they prove that with the way that they um, conduct themselves, you know, at shows. I was talking to Bobby, you know, and Bobby's like, yeah, just keep it, man. They just like giving stuff away to people and, and making people's day. And that's just the culture that they have there. It's a generous culture and they're generous with um, with their gear and they're generous with um their their information man they've done so much for for the saddle hunting world and for me personally i love the guys man they're awesome and i yep. love their gear yep so just wanted to take a moment and say thanks to them we should have probably done that so anyways back to the podcast uh i can't tell at this point because we dropped a dropped a rock in the water and the ripples just went everywhere and i don't know where we sit matt have yeah. you told us what your opinion is morning or evening Hang on, Walt. Yeah. I don't. I don't I know what Brett's an- answer actually. What was your final answer, Brett? Uh, yeah. I'm gonna have to say morning. I love mornings for all deer seasons, so we'll go with that. I said mornings, Matt. Do oh, we said this earlier? But y'all did hear? We, did y'all hear Matt's daggum bedtime alarm? That wasn't me. That was not. <laughs> that was mine. That was mine. <laughs> That was, he's trying out the new baby toys. <laughs> Let that kid open them when he's born. <laughs> now, um, uh, we were talking about, you know, I'm going early season in Kentucky. This will be a fun trip for me. Do we, do you want me to hit base everything off that with a September 2nd hey, start? The Lord, let the Lord lead you, Matt. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I, I feel like I gave my opinion, uh, with Brett's topic. So we're going to, we're going to go with, um, kind of Midwest. I guess you can call it Midwest, but just from my experience, I'm going to start off and I'm going to say evening. Uh, that's going to be my, my take because of beans and what I've seen going. Um, if, if it's an opener or the opening week, I'm going to hunt morning and evening. It doesn't matter. I'm going to be in the woods, uh, trying to, trying to kill a deer. But, uh, what I was seeing, uh, in these morning hunts was I was walking in and I was bumping deer that were already bedded down. And I mean, I'm walking in, you know, an hour and a half before daylight and I'm bumping these deer out of their bed because they're getting back to their bed really, really soon. Um, but what on the contrary to that, what I am seeing is that midday movement that we were talking about even here in the South. Um, currently I have cameras out there and I'm getting a lot of midday movement. Um, whether that like like y'all said be the wind shift and and whatnot but i just think it's the moving of their of their bed throughout the day to set them up to go feed for the evening um that's that's what i'm seeing um but all my major encounters i had last year uh with bucks were were in the evening um so that's you know when 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 you have a bean field or you know a major food source that's just there it's uh it's kind of hard not to hunt the evening and be a be a big fan of the evening so that's that's my two cents on that. Um, Parker, you can touch on that if you want to. Brad, I see you're getting a little anxious over there. Let, let me hear it. <laughs> so I hate to throw too big of a rock out into this pond, but I did. you brought up something that brought something to mind. So you said you bumped deer going in early in the morning, even though it's 
hour and a half before shooting light, right? Yeah. So why do, and you're hunting, I would say you're hunting not too far from uh, ag fields, right? Yeah. Well, in the so morning, I, not, I not hear too all close. The, I mean, I just hear all the time about people don't like hunting mornings because they're bumping deer out of ag fields. Um, like, no, I'm bumping deer. I don't know if that's right, but you hear people, and that's what I'm getting at. You're hunting woods. If a deer's already back to bed an hour and a half before, you know, you hear so much about people saying the deer is still out in the beans or in, you know, the beans or whatever your crop is, peanuts, whatever. They're still out there feeding in the mornings and you're going to blow them out if you go hunt the, the edges of those fields. And just for my limited amount of hunting in the midwest even though it is the rut when i've hunted by fields i actually haven't seen any deer out in the fields in the mornings i usually typically see them come out after daylight into the fields but not as i'm walking in before daylight yeah yeah i i didn't see it like the times i've been up there i don't see them moving around much now cut corn you know i'll i'll see them in there a little more than beans um but yeah i mean if i'm walking up on them in their bed you know jumping them out that early you know my my plan is to either get in there just a little bit later um and set up a little you know not as close to them and try to get them in that you know mid-morning feeding feeding pattern um that's kind of my tactic going in but as as parker said earlier persimmon trees uh, you hear a lot of about persimmons. I mean, if you if you go up there and you list the, the the number of food sources they could eat right now, whether it be uh, bedding in the corn, eating in the corn, eating in the beans, bedding in the beans, eating browse persimmons, there is a lot of different food sources that you can get on uh, in the early season. Um, last year, I did the whole bean thing where you sit on a bean field and you wait for your TV show to start recording. And it just didn't happen for me. Uh, they, they would always stage up late, uh, about 100 yards in the woods, and then they would come out right at dark. Um, so so I'm going with a different tactic this year. I'm I'm going away from the pressure of the beans. I'm going to more persimmon trees. And that's what I'm seeing on my cameras is these deer are using them at all times of the day. There's no particular pattern right now. Um, so as we close in with you know less than a month to get there, I'm waiting to see these shifts. And – that's another thing uh, that you could go on rant about is these mini shifts in summertime. Um, what these deer are doing because these these cameras I have, I know they don't see you know all the woods, but there's definitely been a change in movement from back in June to now. Um, and y'all may have some opinions on that, but that's that's just kind of where I'm at. I want to know how many times we can say shift in one podcast. <laughs> Did I'm I just, nail it I'm, just I'm just glad that the word shift recently sounded like shift. And I could hear <laughs> the F because earlier I thought Britt was just cussing, but I, and then I realized what was going on there for a second. Like, they're gonna just have to put the explicit marker on this one. It's already on. Like, it's on the podcast are, as a whole. <laughs> these guys are out of control, <laughs> and they really only like that one word. <laughs> if you get pat, if you get pat on the podcast, you might as well just mark it all as explicit because it don't matter at that point. <laughs> <laughs> no, Matt, um I, I have seen the exact same thing. I've also seen the exact opposite in Kentucky where there's farmland. I've seen um guys who uh are probably gonna be considered the least likely in your group 
to kill a deer and they go and sit a stupid dumb edge of a bean field and they kill the biggest mm-hmm. buck of the week. Uh, I've seen that happen. I've talked about it on Southern Gr- Southern Ground a lot too. Like it, it just a lot of times it feels like there's no rhyme or reason for the success, the early season success. Um, obviously with guys like Jake Bush, he's going in and you know, he's like being very meticulous about his movements and he's doing it on purpose. But for these out of state hunts, um, I feel like there's, there's a couple things that happen for you, Matt, you're going to be really aggressive in that week, right? You've got a week or, or a, a long weekend basically mm-hmm. to, to do it. Right. So you're going to be more aggressive. Whereas, you know, split shots talking about the spot that he's going into, um, that's in his home area that he might not even be willing to touch, you know, in this early season. Yeah. I don't, I don't know. I'm just saying like most people we're talking about blowing deer out of food sources. And so they just opt to not hunt the mornings, right. Because they don't want to risk mm-hmm. it where, where you're talking about going on an out of state hunt where you have a limited amount of time to make something happen. You're going to be, you're just naturally going to be a little more risky. And so I think there are two different approaches to what we're talking about with early season. And it is the aggressive one and the safe one. So you don't blow out your whole hunting spot. Does that make sense? Yeah. And so, you know, I think that's where your answer is, is more might, might be different. Um, than the rest of us is because you're talking really specifically about this Kentucky trip. Now I want to know, shift to alabama you like that i used it again um let's go to alabama let's move transition to be the transition uh, (laughs) to alabama is your answer the same um depends on the property um i i have you know i have my target books that i have kind of nailed down i know what they're going to do i have years of history with where they're moving so yeah, I'm more selective on what I'm doing. Um and there's and there's small partials. Um unless well and there's private corn. land stuff. And there's corn, which and makes it evening yeah, like the, it, the evening makes sense. And I if and I've come up on it a lot with this early season going to hunt a corn pile. And when I walk in there's five deer standing on the corn pile. And it and it screws the whole you know, deer go running, blowing everywhere. That's that's no good for anything. Or bedded right next to it somewhere. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, and, and that's you know, I've had deer watch me walk into a spot. I had a spot on National Forest where I had a deer. He'd show up two o'clock, four o'clock in the daylight. I mean, I was right there in his home, but he was bedded there, watching my access. Knew when I came in, and there was no killing that buck unless I changed something. And I, at the time, was not willing to change to try to kill this deer. I just thought, hey, if I go in here enough times, he'll mess up eventually. He's going to get smarter. I just mm-hmm. I just want to point out that we mentioned corn piles one time, and the Marion County uh, person on the panel immediately raised his hand. What, what you got there, split shot? <laughs> <laughs> well, he, was, he was talking about was getting in corn and, and transition. Transition. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he was talking about getting in. Um, with these deer being so close to whatever food source they're on, uh, like down here, like you might see them lay up underneath the muscadine vine or something. They'll lay right up underneath it if it's hot. 
and they'll get up underneath the, the vines and then and there's a shade. And even if it's out kind of in the open because they're under those vines, it's cool. But what you can do to get in is haunt the evening. So I would prefer the evening, ideally, especially if you know what food source they're going to, but go in early instead of waiting until like an hour before dark. And I know that's, you got to hunt when you can hunt. But if you can get in there at two o'clock and it's going to get dark at eight, then try to get in there early, like around that two o'clock point. That way you can get in quietly. You're going to have, like I was saying, the wind's going to be moving around more in the middle of the day. So it gives you some some noise cover to be able to slip in close to the bedding area. You have a more consistent wind at that point in time. And you don't have to, like, you can predict where your thermals are going to drop in the evening, especially if you're in a hammock place. They're going to be dropping down towards the lower point. Um, so you can kind of predict a way to get in there quietly if you just get in there earlier. I think a lot of guys try to walk in there at, you know, 5 o'clock, and, you know, if it's getting dark at seven and they're just getting in there just a little bit too late instead of trying to get in there early. Uh, I think a lot of hunters get hung up on trying to hunt traditionally. And you maybe you give up a morning for a place that you can get in early, just rest up and go in there when you know it's going to be. You can get in quietly and cleanly whenever that deer is going to be bedded down and not at that food source so heavily. I would agree. I think, yeah, I, and a lot of a lot of people don't want to get in early early season because it's hot. But you've you've got to be willing to do that, man. Um, doesn't bother the deer. I can tell you. I can tell you. Uh, I have seen like Georgia in Georgia when I when I was living there and hunting there. I would see so many, and this was a a heavily tiny place like we had like one little section of hardwoods but for the most part it was pines and through those pines in the month of october and it's a traditional it's a traditional november rut there um maybe a little later in november but it's it's usually november and october those deer moving all hours of the day through those pines all hours of the day i mean it was crazy now that's the only place i've really hunted that was like all pines like that, but it, it really taught me a lot. Like, obviously I I believe that uh, these were not open pines. They were all pretty dense, uh, understory in them. Um, but you would find deer moving through there all times a day. And it goes back into what Brett has talked about in, in Missouri, um, hunting those CRP thickets. I think if there's cover, I, I do believe that deer are primarily nocturnal. Um, but I also think they're, paranoid too and and so i think that they're they move around constantly when they have the right uh the right cover when they feel comfortable i do believe that they will move around at all hours of the day um and so to answer that question if you've got that and you can figure that out and you're willing to do that i don't think that there's a a right or wrong answer to the question so bread is morning you're you're only sorry. Thought you were done. You're good. Yeah, you're good. So Brett was morning. Matt was wishy washy morning if he's in the Midwest. Uh, and or Kentucky. evening, evening. Oh, evening. Midwest. Oh, my apologies. So is it morning in in Alabama? 
Yeah, it's morning in Alabama. Wow. I must have been just completely <laughs> out of my mind because I swear it was the other way around. You playing with them arrows. Hey. <laughs> Walt's God. playing with his shaft over there. Yeah, I was going to make the joke, but you said keep it clean, Parker. Uh, split shot. What's your What's your final answer? Morning or evening, sir? I'm going to say ideally I would say evening just because you can get in clean and closer into the bedding area. Okay. I'm gonna I'm gonna throw my hat into the to the arena and say mornings. Um, but with the explanation that I hunt a lot of swamps, I just gravitate to water. Um, and I feel like deer in the swamps. What, Parker? I was gonna say you said I hunt a lot of, and I was gonna say roadkill. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I specifically target cripples. That are like a mile away from where they got hit, too. That's the craziest thing about that whole Dagum story. Still um, need my claim money. You're deductible. Brett usually heads yeah. his deer in the morning for him. <laughs> Brett, it depends Brett's on, on when Brett's hunting. Yeah, I was about to say. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, outside of when I'm hunting the cripples, uh, I like mornings in the swamp. I don't know what it is, but it feels like whenever I'm hunting good Tupelo swamps or uh, an oak hammock in the middle of a swamp. I seem to get way more activity consistently early season uh, between about 7 a.m. and about 10:45. My theory on that is I think the deer are up in the the more high areas, uh, right up until daylight, where they're a little more exposed. And the areas that I'm hunting tend to be a little deeper. And so what I think happens is I end up catching them pretty close to their bedding areas. I never feel confident that I have their bedding areas dialed in because. The South is just this thick enigma of never being able to know where they are specifically. But if I go deep into a swamp and I can find like a water oak or a live oak trickling some acorns early season, I feel pretty confident in the morning. I can get back in there, get in there pretty quiet. I I always feel like I'm ahead of the deer a couple hours too. So I don't know why. I just feel like I'm not blowing deer out. Um, and I'll sit there. I'll darn near go to sleep until about seven o'clock. I mean, every once in a while I'll hear a deer early, but it feels like it's about eight 45 to nine 45 is my prime time in those swamps. What you got Parker? All right, Walt. So I'm going to ask you this question. Uh, I think I know your answer already, but um, I want to know in the early season, and, and this is not meant to be a, an insulting question, but has there been a time when early season has been about hunting a mature deer for you or has it been about where can I go to kill a doe um, or, or any deer possible? Well, not around here. Um, well, it, it's, it's weird. So in Southeast Georgia, it was a lot about killing older deer. Uh, but the rut also was late September, early October. So you know, your season starts the first week of October. You only got about two, three weeks and then you're, you're hunting rut activity. So that's, I'm going to kind of throw that out uh, until last year, the year before when Brett started running over my deer, um, I started shifting more towards trying to catch those deer deep, mature, a, a more mature deer deep. But I would say more often than not early season for me is about filling the freezer. Okay. So, uh, and, and I ask you that, I mean, I Anybody who knows me knows it's the same thing for me here yeah. in Alabama. Um, the different the difference is I'm I'm kind of structuring my answers around bucks for some of the early season hunts that I've done in other places. When I'm here in Alabama, 
mm-hmm. for the most part early season. Let's go freaking kill some does. Now, last year I killed a bunch early, like super quick. And so I actually did do a lot of a lot more early season, like really trying to figure a buck out. And uh but but I asked that question because it, it, it really does matter. Definitely. I think in the conversation, you know, it in my opinion, there is not a better time or opportunity to go kill does. I see so many less does once the rut picks yeah. up and and so many let like so few of them actually would give me a shot opportunity because they're always flipping running and prancing around during the rut. Um during early season, if you're looking for a place to to fill a doe tag, man, I don't think there's a better time. Like like find I, I say the only answer is morning or evening find the acorns and you yeah you will be successful. I will say this though, if you line up all the deer I shot going back to Southeast Georgia, all six of them, um, what you will see is I was wildly more successful on bucks during archery season. Yep. Um, and that's with the same strategies. So whether I was like really targeting them or not, I mean, obviously I wasn't, um, but I have always found in the hot months in the swamps to be my best time. I, I don't, I, it, maybe it's just because I, like I said, I feel like I naturally gravitate to it there. So there's a, a confidence there. So I hunt them more. Um, but give me ankle deep, ankle to knee deep water, a persimmon or an oak dropping in a swamp. And I just feel like you give me a couple weeks in our early archery season with some hot weather mornings are going to be more productive for me. I mean, my first, my first archery kill was on a hot feed tree, uh persimmon on the side of a swamp. My biggest bow buck before I shot that one, which was a really nice little, I don't know, maybe 60 inch coastal whitetail deer. Um, I shot him over a water oak dropping in a swamp. I shot several spikes and forkies, I'm not claiming to be a big buck hunter, but most of my bucks until very recently were all early season deer until I moved to Florida, honestly. So good. I, I think, um, you know, to what you're saying, we've, we've talked to Warren Wilmick a lot, uh, in the past on our, on our other podcast. I think, have you ever had him on chase? Oh Pills? yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, uh, Warren Wilmick is known for his quantity of mm-hmm. deer, right? Like he kills a bunch of deer and, but if you notice, if you follow him on Instagram, uh, he'll post the, the memories or whatever he'll like every day. He's got a new deer post of memories and there's a lot of bigger bucks that are mixed in that. I think you find a hot, a hot feed tree and you really, you know, I mean, like there is the chance that any deer could potentially come in there and eat from it. Uh, hot feed tree in the right spot. I mean, he's killed his fair share of big bucks in the early season on a hot food source. Um, I think you do it, do it enough and eventually it'll fall in your lap. Um, man, I think that's a great conversation. Like it, it really gets me thinking about like, you know, like y- y'all's different answers has really got me thinking about, you know, I'm going to be traveling and doing a lot of different States and there's going to be new approaches to each of those States. And, uh, you know, just speaking selfishly, I think, um, this is probably going to be one that I go back and listen to just to hear the different unique approaches to this early season thing, which is in my opinion, one of the hardest times of the year, the hardest times of year to kill them. I think if, if I'm making a request of the listener, I think what you're going to find if you listen to this podcast long enough is there's more than one way to skin a cat. 
and you need to go into the woods with the flexibility knowing or you go into the woods with the flexibility that you don't have a game plan per se that is set in stone and you let the woods tell you what the woods are wanting to tell you let the feed trees tell you you know you can't hunt hot feed trees if they're not there so if you spend your entire weekend walking around looking for hot feed trees and there's just none there it's time to move on to a different food source it's time to do something different you know it, what you heard was a plethora of different answers based on a a variety of situations and i hope that'll give you like a a playbook that you can really use to leverage and don't get mentally stuck to one idea. I, I'm really prone to that. I really get honed in on a thermal hub or a hot feed tree or, or fill in the blank and I lose the forest for the trees. So split shot, you got any closing thoughts? Yeah. Just to add on what you're saying, when I started to hunt less traditionally, and to go into more situationally and that just comes with experiences to be able to, Hey, I've been in this situation before I made this mistake. Well, now I can adjust when I started to hunt more like that. And, you know, where I was talking about coming in during the middle of the day and sitting longer, or maybe I have to wait in the mornings because the thermals are dropping real hard in the swamp. So I don't go in there as early uh, when I started to hunt more like that, I started having a lot more success. And you, like you were just saying, you have to be able to adapt to the woods and what's around you. And the way that you learn how to adapt is just to spend more time out in the woods. If that's in summertime scouting, if it's out postseason, spend as much time out in the outdoors and really just pay attention to what's going on. Be Focus more on the little details and you will have a lot more encounters and much more success because you understand the bigger picture of what's going on and you're ready for those situations when they happen. Well, let's transition to the housekeeping then. Yeah, let's shift there real fast. <laughs> uh, no, man. So just wanted to say thanks to our partners over at Join or Die Knives. Um, man, dude. You want to talk about a good knife that's got some solid, solid quality craftsmanship. You need to check out Joiner Die Knives, and you can use the code SGHUNT um, at checkout, and that will save you 10%. We've got to get that changed, but we do. <laughs> we, we've got to give people the, the offering. Um, yeah. You can use that code, though, and it'll save you 10% just for a little bit until we get it changed over to Southern Collective. But um, then, and then, of course, Botech been shooting the crap out of that that uh Botech Carbon 1 the last few days. Um and and I don't know if you guys noticed or not, but uh me and Pablo went and shot yesterday. We went and shot bows at the archery. Went boxing range. too. <laughs> yeah. Well Pablo was shooting a Matthews. See that was the problem is Pablo was shooting a Matthews and it was prematurely firing the arrow. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just kidding. Pablo bumped his he bumped his uh is a release right when I started filming. Um, but dude, getting that thing dialed in, man, it is a, uh, like, I, I feel like my system, I told you guys, I've been getting fired up all week because I finally feel like this issue with target panic and my form and all that stuff. I feel like it's all coming together and I'm pretty fired up about it. So with that, Walt, I am, I am officially done fellas. I'm going to see you guys on the fire this week. I'm sure. So I got to tell you bye, but for everybody else, uh, Walt, you want to tell them where they, if they want to join this fire, tell them where yeah. you can join it. 
Yeah, we make your life really easy. Swipe up. Wherever you're listening, swipe up. Look at the show notes. We got a link to Patreon. We got a link to our store. And uh, we got a link to all of our social media. So if you want to go support the show, uh, buy a hat. Buy Well, not yet. If you want to buy a shirt, buy a hoodie, uh, go check out the website. We'd love to have you guys over there. Uh, that money goes right back into out-of-state tags, gas money. And if you want to be part of the best digital deer camp uh definitely check out patreon we'd love to have you over there that thing is bumping right now so until next time y'all throw a log in the fire go to sleep when you go out there and the fish are where you think they are any one of these casts could be the bite it's the most exciting fishing that i know right here at hawk's cave Oh, that's awesome. Experience the best saltwater fishing the world has to offer. Don't miss Thursdays with Saltwater Experience. Brought to you by Golden Boat Lifts. Every Thursday night from 7 to 10 p.m. Eastern on Waypoint TV. The destination for outdoor entertainment. A life that has the stories to back it. A life to be proud of. It's a Winchester life. Yeah, baby. 6-8 Western. Oh, I'll be over there, baby. Right there. Tune in every Tuesday at 7 p.m. Eastern on Waypoint TV. In Wild Country, rules were not created by man. Don't miss Wild Country. Wednesdays from 7 to 11 p.m. Eastern. Presented by Primos. Speak the language. Waypoint TV. The destination for outdoor entertainment.